Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Indie Reads Aloud. We are getting closer and closer to wrapping up our 100th episode, and I'm really excited to bring Brandy D. Pearson back again. He's going to read for us again. I'm so excited you're back. Thank you very <laughs> That's much. That's my cat. Hello, kitty. <laughs> Here, you're on camera. Here, come on. Say hello. There, there. Say now hello. we say hello. And then say <laughs> hello. Better. Now go there. <laughs> All righty. Uh, for those of you who have not met Randy yet, if you missed the last episode that we had together, um, Randy has been displaying his creativity for as long as he can remember. Starting at an early age, drawing comic strips and cartoon books, he quickly realized he enjoyed writing stories more than he did sketching. You know, I completely relate to this. <laughs> the, the word part is so much easier than the drawing part. My dad was a commercial artist and, and, and a painter, did some beautiful, beautiful stuff. And me, my stick figures just don't even look like things. So it's like, I just, yeah, I realized very quickly that art is not my thing. Writing yeah. is my thing, so I'm yeah, glad I figured yeah. that out I, pretty early. I need a ruler to draw a straight line, and even then, it's not straight. <laughs> it always goes up or down. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, so Randy discovered his other childhood passion, the Atari computer. You remember those days long, long ago. Um, and everything came together for him at that point. He spent so many late nights typing stories, and he won several writing contests in the process. Um, his writing kicked into high gear in 2007 when he became a member of Writing at the Ledges. This Grand Ledge, Michigan-based writing group helped him to, to turn his interesting ideas into well-crafted works of fiction. There's a really, really cool thing about working with a writing community, wouldn't you say, that it just serves the process like nothing yeah. else? Yeah, for sure, especially when I first started all these stories all those years ago, I would just write them for myself. I'd give them to a friend or two and they go, oh, this is good. And that's all I'd ever hear. And then getting in front of a bunch of like-minded people and sharing and learning how to critique and be critiqued. Right. I mean, both of those things are challenging. I mean, learning, like we have poets and we have playwrights and we have just, you know, novelists. And so as a short story person at that time, learning from a novelist or helping to critique a poem. I don't know how to write a poem. I have no clue, but you just hear things go, oh, this doesn't quite seem right to me or whatever. And it's like, oh, then, you know, you learn and 
having yeah, yeah. someone read your and critique your stuff like oh this doesn't make sense to me like okay it, it's, it's, it's it really so does. neat to work with and so much of what we do is very um isolating uh -huh. and we have to sit down it's just us and the page and our you know slightly schizophrenic brains talking as we type so it's i think it's really great to have a writing community that you can learn from and get different perspectives and again like you say you know friends and family will say that's nice but even though it's positive feedback you don't really learn a lot from that's nice <laughs> yeah that's nice is kind of like oh i didn't cue you yeah story. you on your head and there you go yeah <laughs> absolutely um Randy's writing has been featured in several publications, and this is very, and I, I didn't realize how much you contributed to until I read your bio. So he's been published in the Washington Square Review, Pats Across America, Small, Small Towns, A Map in Words, Seasons of Life, Voices from the Ledges, Promptly Speaking, Fiction 440 Volume 1, and Retrocade Magazine. That's an amazing resume. I'm super impressed that you've contributed to that many publications. Thank you. Yeah, I'm shocked people like my stuff enough to actually want to publish it. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Like we're the yeah. last ones to realize that what we write is is worthy, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, imposter syndrome runs deep in the heart of the American author. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so today you're going to read from your short story collection, which is entitled Tell Me a Story. Yeah. um there's the cover <laughs> um so tell me a little bit about um the overall theme of this collection right so my wife has always been asking me to tell her a story ever since i met her so mm -hmm. i thought well, what a better way to do this than to put basically this is 30 years of my writing here this the earliest story dates back to 1986 in this thing wow. i published it in 2016 um, so I put these together and then I decided I basically wrote this to her. So the beginning of each chapter has a little page or two, kind of like a mini romantic day in the life kind of a thing that weaves you right. into the next story. And then tell me a story. And then it goes into whatever random short story I have here. So nice. that's kind of the interconnecting storyline. Because when I was publishing this, my publisher said, well, you're not famous enough to just put out a short story collection. It's got to have oh, some everybody's sort of a famous enough to write a short story collection. <laughs> and, like, no, I, no one's going to care. I have an invisible duck who's done it twice now. <laughs> right? oh. yes, I love those. Those are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody can write short stories. <laughs> yeah. But this worked, though. I figured, okay, so now, you know, the, this is basically a love letter to my wife and a whole bunch of fun stories for people to read, too. That's so, so sweet. That, how wonderful. <laughs> I'm really excited. You're going to read two different pieces for us today, right? Yes, indeed. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to read one longer piece that is part of my, what I'm calling my Psychic Phil Chronicles. This is a character named Philip Hamill, who is what I would call a reluctant psychic. He gets these flashes that hit him, and he, he knows that if he doesn't try to do something, that what he sees will happen. So he oftentimes he, he goes through the trouble and people don't believe him because, you know, people don't believe this kind of stuff. So, right. you know, um, so I have I have a total of three short stories in this collection together at the end of the book. And eventually I'm going to start writing a series of novels based on this character because my wife loves this character. So, you know, <laughs> well, and it is her love letter. So you kind of you kind of have to do what she asks you to do. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then once that one's done, I have one quick silly short story that I wrote on this one of my fiction 440 pieces that I, when I read it, I mean, this may be a brag, I don't know, but when I read it, there's a certain point where people laughed for so long that I thought I actually decided I was going to like, I'm just going to stop reading here. I mean, I can't get any better than this. And just <laughs> stop, there's still half the story left. So I continued on, but I had to wait for the laughter to die down. Like that really did my heart well. You know? oh, yes. So. Yeah. That that's a nice little ego boost when you get that response from an audience you're reading to. Yes, indeed. <laughs> that's, that's spectacular. Well, I am looking forward to hearing these short stories. When you are ready, please take the microphone and read aloud. Okay. So I'm going to read, I'm going to start at the beginning of chapter 31, which will give the little bit of the um, connecting storyline here. So chapter 31, Christmas day arrives and we open our presents, sweaters and space heaters, vacuum cleaners and CDs. We get what we wanted and needed. She thinks we're done, but I have one final gift for her. Handing her a box wrapped with purple and silver paper, I can barely contain my joy. One more thing, sweetie. Giving me a momentary scowl, she says, you've already given me plenty. I didn't want anything other than the vacuum cleaner. I know, but this is exactly what you've been wanting as well. And it didn't cost us any money. My wife shakes the box back and forth, then side to side. She loves guessing at the contents of her presence. And to my annoyance, she's usually quite good at it. It's paper and fairly light. Is it a book? Kinda, I think. But I just reply, open it, love of my life. When she rips the paper and pulls the box, her eyes light up. Is this what I think it is? Yep. She jumps up and gives me the biggest smooch. Psychic Phil, I love your Psychic Phil stories. I know, this collection has all three of his stories, including a never before seen adventure for Philip Hamill. You'll get to learn about his past and meet some family, all wrapped around a mystery. A squeal escapes as she hugs me again. Will you read these to me? Of course, it's part of the present. So this is called The Psychic Buddy. Hello, friend, Philip droned into the telephone. You've reached the Psychic Buddies Network. What may I see for you today? Laughter exploded from the other end of the line, which made Phil's heart drop. Oh, great, another one, he thought. Gee, the voice said, oozing sarcasm. If you really were psychic, you'd know why, what I wanted, huh, smart guy? Philip wanted to hang up, but one realization always made him feel better. After all, this moron is paying $4.99 a minute to insult me. Who's the smart guy now? It only works sometimes. It only works that way sometimes, sir. There's no guarantee with a gift like this. I can't just turn it on like a faucet. Now, if you want me, if you want to tell me the purpose of your call, I'll be happy to. It felt like a tidal wave hit Phil directly in the brain. The psychic energy that he himself did not have power to invoke could most certainly power itself up on its own and clobber him with a tremendous current. He had felt this torrent before, of course, many times over the years. However, this one felt larger than life. It felt like death. Death waited around the corner for someone, but not this bozo on the phone. He wanted, again, to hang up on the caller so he could help the one who really needed him. However, his job had to come first. And he, and he needed to appease this fellow. Over, the, over his months as a psychic buddy, he learned that when he felt nothing for a caller, he could usually fudge his way through. Normally, he needed to ask a few questions to show the caller, to, yeah, to allow the caller to guide him subconsciously, but he had no time to play the usual games. Sir, I'm going to save you some time and money on this call and make it quick. 
Tell her you love her. Tell her you're sorry and you realize she's truly the one for you. Trust me, it'll work. Phil expected laughter, but after a small pause, the man said, whoa, um, okay, I will. Thanks, like dude. Phil grinned, anytime. Call again, but next time, don't waste so much time and money being skeptical. He then hung up and quickly started to dial. He had no idea how he knew the number, but when it came to his gift, he, well and he knew well enough not to question it. Brandon Bilson stood in the upstairs bedroom of his new house, gazing out the window at his, at his large backyard. His focus was so intense that when his wife came up from behind and put her arms around his chest, he jumped. Amy, he exclaimed, I didn't hear you come up. She smiled and rested her chin upon his shoulder. Sorry, Bran, what are you looking at out there? Oh, he replied, I'm still marveling at this place. We've been here a couple of months now, but I'm still so tickled by it all. We actually have a huge fenced-in yard. Sure beats the apartment, huh, Aim? Yes, it does. But now that spring is here, we really need a mower. He turned inside the circle of her arms to face her, laid his hands on her shoulders and delicately kissed her. Now, Aim, don't be taking the magic out of this yet. It'll grow mundane soon enough, my dear. They stayed in their embrace for a moment before Brannon turned back to the window. Looking, out the, looking beyond the edge of their property, he noticed someone standing in the middle of the adjacent restaurant parking lot. The man, clad in a beige jacket and blue jeans, appeared to be looking up at them. After a few seconds, the stranger turned as a dog tried to pass him in a wide arc. From this distance, the guy appeared to be a few inches tall. You know, I wonder if he can see us up here, Bran wondered idly. Amy laughed. I highly doubt it. This window is what, three by five? But look, honey, he's just standing there staring up at us. Oh, Bran, he can't even see his face from here, especially at this time of evening. Even in broad daylight, I doubt he'd see much more than a vague shadow. He's probably looking at the stars. I've seen a few people out there walking their dogs. And besides, the light from our window is most likely obscuring us. As the stranger led the dog out of the lot, Brandon turned again to face his wife. It's the light that makes it so he can see us, Aim. Brandon stared at her for a long moment and then smiled devilishly. You know, I think I can solve this little dilemma. I'm going out there. You stand right here and put on that sexy black negligee, the one with the, yeah, yeah, I know which one. Even though she joined in with her own version of a seductive grin, she could not hide the apprehension in her blue eyes. What if someone else sees? You'll know it's me. I'll have on my red jacket. Oh, but Brandon, she protested. It's late. Besides, we don't know the neighborhood yet. It seems safe enough, but how do we know for sure? He smiled a most confident grin. I'm a manly man, remember? At least that's what you tell everybody. I'll be fine. Besides, I really want to see you in that negligee. Any excuse is a good one. After tossing her a wink, he turned and vacated the bedroom, pausing to yell, and try both ways with the lights on and off, okay? This way we'll know for sure what people can see out there. After she removed her clothes, she let the arousal overcome her trepidation. After all, I'll be flashing the man I love, she thought as a sly smile crept upon her pretty, place, pretty face. I suppose this isn't too weird. At least the man with the dog seems to be gone. She found the nightgown and quickly donned it. Being skin tight, it accentuated her curves nicely, making her feel extremely desirable. Small wonder why Brandon liked this outfit so much. She heard the outside door click shut. Knowing he would soon be in position within a couple of minutes, she began to fantasize. She planned to give him the show of his life. Then the phone rang. Oh, great, she yelled. What lovely timing. This had better not be mom. She picked up the receiver and gave her greeting. 
Hi, this is Philip Hamill. I'm with the Psychic Buddies Network. I'm, hey, look, she interrupted. Now's not the time. I'm not interested. Goodbye. She started to pull the receiver away from her ear when he screamed, wait, your husband's life's in danger. Don't hang up. This stopped her in her tracks. What the hell are you talking about? Who is this? Look, Phil said, trying to calm himself enough to avoid sounding like a crackpot. I'm a psychic and I had a vision of your husband, Brandon, I think. He'll be killed unless you act now. Don't let Brandon go into that parking lot. Although Phil's words concerned her, she found herself reacting with anger. You got my husband's name wrong, idiot. Like, I don't know who you are, but this is one sick joke. I'm going to call the cops, you bastard. She began to say, he began to say, look, I realize this sounds crazy, but she slammed down the handset before he could tell her anymore. Phil wished he could jump in his car and drive to the scene to stop this terrible vision from becoming reality. The problem was his psychic powers worked in unpredictable ways. Somehow he knew the phone number, but had no idea where they lived. Unfortunately, he realized he probably had done all he could. Though Phil could call her back, he doubted she would answer. He had just hoped this warning would be enough to forestall the situation. Amy slammed down the phone with enough force to make it bounce slightly. Great. We moved into a neighborhood with wackos in it. She went to the window to see if Brandon had made it to his position yet. Though she certainly lost the mood, she did not want to ruin his enjoyment. The best thing, she decided, would be to put on the show and tell him about it afterwards. Still, the call ate at the back of her mind. Don't let Brandon go into that parking lot. It troubled her that she knew Brandon's name, or close anyway. But what could she do? If she yelled for him, he would not hear it. And his cell phone rested on the end table next to the bed. At that moment, she saw Brandon walk around the side of the building and into the parking lot. He waved up at her and, and she returned the gesture. She tried to force a smile, but then realized he could not see her face anyway. This, his head from this distance resembled a tiny peach-colored ball with dark hair. If he had not been wearing the red jacket, she would not have recognized him. Amy began her striptease, moving seductively in front of the window. After coyly pulling at her right strap, she allowed it to drop off her shoulder. After a couple of minutes of her dance routine, she went over and uh, turned off the bedroom light. Assuming no one would be able to see anything, she mustered enough confidence to drop the other shoulder strap, allowing her negligee to crumple to the floor. She got as close to the window as she could, striving to witness any sign of acknowledgement. At that moment, she spotted another man out on the blacktop near Brandon, so she quickly pulled up her nightgown. It looked to be the same man from earlier, or at least he wore a similar beige jacket. However, even from this distance, she could see the baseball bat in his hand. It glistened in the ambient lighting of the parking lot. He slowly crept up behind Brandon, bat poised above his head. Amy belted out a scream that Brandon could not hear. Philip stood with a phone still in his trembling hand, sweat beating on his brow. The image in his brain still haunted him, the man beaten to death with a baseball bat in a lonely parking lot. When he felt another flash hit him, he dropped the receiver. It loudly clunked upon the floor. The noise alerted several of his co-workers who stared at him, at him as if he had a screw loose. His supervisor, a nasty man with absolutely no psychic abilities or scruples, rapidly approached him with an angry scowl spread across his pudgy face. At that moment, Phil cared nothing about his job. He bent over and retrieved the receiver. That last brain flash gave him a new number to call, and he dialed frantically as his boss dropped a heavy hand on his shoulder. Hey, Phil, he yelled, his mouth wrapped around an unlit cigar. You know the rules. No personal calls on the job. 
Philip jerked his arm away from the cigar chewer as the phone began ringing. Staring up at his house, Brandon sighed. Amy was right. He could not see a darn thing from this distance. She's probably naked, he mused, and here I am standing in the cold. Suddenly, he heard a cell phone ring directly behind him. He spun around to see a man standing too close, an aluminum baseball bat raised over his head, ready to come crashing down. As the stranger paused, clearly startled by his ringing phone, Brandon shot his foot into the man's gut, sprinting away as quickly as his legs would carry him. He heard the bat clatter upon the ground as he continued to flee. He ran all the way to the, his front door, where his wife stood ready to greet him with a python-like hug. Philip's boss began to say, you're, yeah, yeah, I'm fired. Phil cut him off, his smile proud. What do you think? I didn't see that coming. I am psychic, you know. So that's that one. And then the other one, again, a little quick story. This one is chapter 23. I sure do love Saturdays, I say to my wife as I randomly flip through channels. I look at her for a few moments with a hint of a smile on my face. Without returning my gaze, she says, what? Nothing. I just like looking at you. She utters that psh noise she makes when she's disregarding or dismissing something. Stop it, she said with no discernible emotion. No, I reply, at my own psh. Well, as I lean in and give her a smooch, this is getting us nowhere. After a momentary pause, I ask, so sweetie, what's for dinner? Turning, she crinkles her brow at me. I don't know, what are you making? Before we met, my food life consisted entirely of cereal for breakfast, sandwiches for lunch, and pre-packaged microwave meals for dinner. In a pinch, I can make pancakes. Oh, I say as I bolt up and off the couch, how about pancakes? All right, and bacon? Well, of course, bacon, I say, referring to the vegetable version of bacon we have in our freezer. No one in the history of the world has ever confused this stuff with actual bacon. However, as textured vegetable protein shaped to look like bacon goes, not bad. As I dug around in the cupboard for my perfect pancake maker, one of those as seen on TV items with two frying pans hooked together, she says, can you tell me a story while you're cooking? Sure. As a matter of fact, I have one perfect for a man who can't cook who's trying to impress his lady. So it's called Cooking Up Excitement. Craig shot Simon a toothy grin. But dude, you don't cook. You live via the microwave and DeLuca's pizza. Sure, Simon replied, but this is a big deal. It's Sharon and my one year anniversary. So why not take her someplace, you know, nice? Simon glared at his friend with mock anger. Oh, cooking isn't all that hard. I just hate doing it. Besides, I found a cookbook at Volunteers of America. I'm gonna whip her up something she'll never forget. Shaking his head, Craig replied, okay, man, good luck. Though the book apparently assumed a higher level of culinary skill than Simon possessed, he did his best to emulate a couple of the more intriguing recipes. However, he had to buy some ingredients that seemed rather peculiar to him. Well, the book clearly knows best, he muttered to himself. When the big day arrived, Simon could not contain his rapturous smile. Sharon opened the front door and right away said, um, what smells so unusual? Turning the corner of the kitchen with a champagne flute in each hand, Simon replied, that would be dinner. It's something special. But first, here are the drinks. Oddly, the recipe called for these to be served in bottles, but I opted for a more traditional approach. Handing her a glass, he added, to one year, and lightly clinked her flute with his. Oh, Simon, she cooed as she lifted the glass and took a drink. She immediately spit it out, forming a small puddle on the hardwood floor. Oh my God, what the hell is this? Simon furrowed a brow in disappointment. 
It's a cocktail, sweetheart. I followed the instructions to the letter. Well, mostly. Ugh, tastes like turpentine. Oh, like you know what turpentine tastes like, Simon said as he took a swig. He also spit it out as rapidly as he could. Jeez, you're right. Wow, I'll go get us some wine. No more Molotov cocktails for us. Sharon's, uh, Sharon's head shot around. Molotov cocktails? Where did you get this recipe? Walking into the, into the kitchen, he grabbed the book from the table. From this, it's a cookbook. Eyes wide, she yelled, yeah, the anarchist cookbook. This is how you make bombs and stuff, you moron. You know, I did wonder why the recipe called for them to be served in a bottle with a rag sticking out the top. I thought the rag was like a homemade straw or something. With panic growing, Sharon leaned her body to look around at the kitchen. So uh, what's cooking in the oven? The ensuing explosion shook the entire neighborhood. <laughs> okay, that's fun. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, where did Psychic Phil come from? Boy, that's an actually really good question. I, I think, again, with my what-if brain, I think I just had a thought about a psychic. You know, the idea, probably some TV show or something, but the idea that, you know, you people just have these weird flashes of stuff and i don't know i just I, I think i just like the idea of someone who could see things but not someone like i didn't want it to be one of those people like a lot of the tv shows where they're they're you know mystery people like they, they do this mm -hmm. for a living they go out and yeah you know psych or whatever i'm a detective things. yeah yeah i just wanted to be some dude to get these flashes and he realizes that if he doesn't do something about it it's going to happen and he just, he just in good conscience, can't let it happen. So he tries to stop it. And people think he's nuts. And I just, I had a lot of fun with that. And I've written like, so there's two other ones in Tell Me a Story. And mm -hmm. then I have ideas for a whole lot of stuff. It's going to end up being a nice big long series, I think, too, as soon as I get around to writing them. So do you, do you, see, it, do you see it as a um, collection of short stories series? Or do you see developing Phil into the main character of a novella or a novel? How do you yeah, see I that going? I'm going to go full on novels with these because I, I know that between him, I know I'll need extra characters. I'll probably come up with some sort of a, like a, a police officer slash detective who works with him. Okay. You know, I've, I've, I've read a lot of the different, like the Mylan Volatar series. And mm -hmm. um, there's a couple others that just, the idea of um, Randy Wayne White's another one, the, uh, I can't think of the name of the character now. My wife loves this dude. But basically having someone who is a detective who isn't a detective, like Mylon Bolotar is a, um, oh, shoot, I'm sorry, I can't remember what he, what he does for a living now, but he's, he's not a, he just gets drawn into things and he has enough of a skill sure. set to be able to do it. So I like the idea of he's going to be the dude, these things happen and he feels compelled to help and then gets sucked into all these crazy adventures. So I'm going to have fun with this. I, I, sure. Yeah, I, I love the premise of him working in a psychic hotline. I just think that's, that's, that's a lot of fun to play with. Thank you. That Okay, that tells me where I got it from then. Because remember um, Dion Warwick's Psychic Friends? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I exactly, that. I was watching one of those infomercials thinking Psychic Friends. That's why, though I can't call him Psychic. Actually, the first story was called Psychic Friends. Thought, no, no, I, I got sued. I'll call them psychic buddies, you know. Yeah, I thought, works. how funny would it be if somebody were actually a psychic working at the Psychic Friends Network? Yeah, because you assume they're all just making this stuff up as they go along. Well, sure, you know? yeah, they would have to be because they're living in Caribbean somewhere. 
Yeah. <laughs> you, you helped me get to that point. Yes, that's what it was. Okay. I thought the only person who actually is a psychic working at Psychic Friends. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's, I'm looking forward to the novels coming out. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to play with. Yeah, cool, cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming back again. Um, like I said last time, you can come back as many times as you have books to share with us. <laughs> I love your imagination, and I'm really pleased that, that you keep sharing it with me. Well, thanks for having me. This is always so much fun. Awesome. <laughs> have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you are an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.